You are listening to a podcast of Risen Savior Lutheran Church in Chula Vista, California. Growing in faith, living in hope, serving in love, all to the glory of God. God's grace, mercy, and peace to all of you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The text for today is on page 12 in the service folder. We're reading Luke 14, 25 to 33. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose that one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, This person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Christian friends. Every pastor will have this in his ministry, that someone will come into the church office and ask, what does it cost to become a member of this church? Or they will word it something along this line, what do I have to do to be a member of the church? And I suppose that's perfectly natural thinking from a person who is not used to the church, to faith, religion. Because anything you join, you would want to find out how much does it cost, what do I have to do, what requirements are put upon me, you know. Wouldn't it be funny if some pastor had (laughs) the audacity to say, well, it'll cost you $1,000 a year or something. (laughs) That would make their mouth drag a little bit, yes. Uh You have to give me so many hours. (laughs) Many things in life are that way. But that is totally, isn't it, missing what this is all about. The fact that you are sitting here as members of a congregation, a church. But now on the serious side, it does cost something. And I'd like to talk to you about that today. For do you realize that Jesus many times talked about the cost of discipleship, the cost of being a follower of Jesus, and today we're going to address that issue. And I'm going to tell you right off the bat that being a Christian is costly. Got it? It is interesting to note that in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the three Gospels, Jesus often talks to people Follow me. That's familiar. We have several hymns written on that very subject. We just sang one of them. And in that, you will always find that there will be a discussion of what it will cost to follow me. And today's text does that. In fact, it's, if you look at it, please, 
verse 26. It probably bothered you to hear it. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, their very own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. So, wow. Christ is saying to you, you have to hate your spouse, your mother, and so on. He sure got your attention, doesn't he? So that requires us now to find out exactly how should I understand this. And this will require me to look at the various passages of Scripture in which Jesus talked about the very same thing. So Matthew 10 would be an example. I'll read part of it to you. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. We've heard those words often. So he's saying to you, in today's text or in any of those other cases, and there are a number of them, where he explains what it means to follow, he means, I must be number one. That's what it means. I come first before your mother, your father, your son, your daughter, your spouse, your relatives, anyone or anything. I am number one. And that's why he said, if you want to look at it, I'll refer to it a number of times. The last verse on page 12, verse 33. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. Isn't it possibly the clearest way that he could say it is that I must be number one, that you must be willing to sacrifice anything and everything before me. I am first. Well, of course. That's the first commandment, isn't it? That God must come first. He's number one. That's what he's saying to you. Okay? Now that we have mentioned that, now let's look at it this way. What is Jesus really asking of you? He's saying to you that every desire and every want that you have must be below and submitted to Jesus. He's number one. May I explain that with a crass example that really happened in my ministry? At my other church, a family came who were members to seek, their children were in the school, compensation, would you help us? We can't afford it. We did. Out of mercy, of course we're going to help you. And so we gave them financial aid so that they could send their children to our school. And then I learned they were putting in a swimming pool in their backyard. <laughs> That's a mouthful, isn't it, when you think that through? So when Jesus says to you in that closing verse, 33, that if you don't give up everything you have, you cannot be my disciple, he's saying that I come before your new car. I come before your vacation and your retirement fund. I come first. And if you can't understand that, you don't follow me. 
you don't understand. Is that clear enough? I must be first. Well, you might ask yourself, when does this possibly happen that somebody has to give up everything? Well, I picked up a magazine this morning that came in the mail a couple of days ago, and I hadn't looked at it yet. The front cover of the magazine shows a picture of ISIS terrorists in Iraq shooting a group of Christians lined up in front of a trench. They're all facing the trench, and they're shooting them in the back, and so they fall into the trench, and then they bury them. There is an example of a Christian who had to give up everything, love for people and love for things, to have Christ first. For you know how the Muslim religion of the ISIS fanatics is working. You either join us or we kill you. What do you want? Do you follow that? You may not be aware of it, but Egypt has always had a great Christian population. They were called Coptic Christians, letter C, Coptic. Do you realize that during the recent years, when the Muslim Brotherhood controlled Egypt, that they drove out, persecuted, and killed many Christians in their country? And the same thing is happening in Yemen or Somalia. A war is being fought down there in Sudan. And that whole region of the Muslim faith. I have said this to you before in a previous sermon, but I want to repeat it so you understand this. More Christians are persecuted at this time than in any other period in history because it's been so widespread. Those of you who are old and gray can remember that Adolf Hitler killed many people under the Nazi regime. He went after the church, Christian church, because he knew they would not go along with him. Joe Stalin in Russia killed tens of millions of people, many of them Christian, as did happen in communist China and Cambodia and Korea and Vietnam and so on. This passage number 33 is not so strange that those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. For I tell you there have been millions in your lifetime that have had to give up everything for Jesus. And here we sit in a comfortable, beautiful building in upholstered chairs and out in the parking lot, there's at least a half a million dollars worth of automobiles sitting. And we live in lovely homes and apartments and condos. We have wonderful devices in our life. We're protected by the government. We gather for worship. We're free citizens. Are we ever blessed? It's hard sometimes for us to comprehend a passage such as this, that if you're not willing to give up everything for me, you're not mine. Tough words, but so true. 
We read this morning a gospel reading. In fact, if you want to just look at it again, turn back one page to 11. That gospel reading told you at verse 24, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me, those people being shot in the ditch on the magazine cover, whoever loses their life for me will find it. Got that? What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Those are startling words, but they're so realistic. That's why in our text there's a second paragraph. It talks about you as an individual wanting to build a tower, okay? And it says to you that wisdom says that you want to sit down first and count the cost. Do I have enough money to build this tower? A house or whatever it is. Do I have enough money? Or will it get half done and then I run out of money and I have to stop and everybody will laugh at me. What a foolish thing he did. And we'd agree. That's just common sense. And that's why Jesus is saying to you, count the cost it is costly for you to be a Christian. It is. It is costly. And you need to count that cost and to think that through. And that's the purpose of this sermon. Now, do you realize that there's a theme that repeats in the Psalms and the Proverbs many times? And I'll just read one example to you. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One, the knowledge of God, is understanding. Think that through for a moment. True wisdom is understanding God and what He said to me. That's why we who are blessed and can sit in the comfort of this church this morning can count the cost and understand what Jesus means, that we need to be ready to give up everything for Jesus if it's demanded. That's sobering. But it tells me the cost of discipleship. Now, when I consider this, and I'm talking on a personal level, I condemn myself. Because my old Adam, my selfish nature, says, I don't want to give up everything. I have some nice things. I have a home, family. I have some investments, a car, you know, all the typical things. I wouldn't want to lose it all. In fact, I think that my old self would even say, God, you're asking too much of me. God, you need to lower your standard. It, this is unreasonable, isn't it? To have to give up everything to follow Jesus. You see, because mostly I've been preaching the law at you this morning. And the law makes me uncomfortable. Because in all honesty, the law says, I don't do what it says to me. I fail. 
I don't have that kind of conviction that I'd readily say, yeah, I can give up everything and do it. I don't want to give everything away. So I need also to hear the gospel. And that's why I'm telling you that the cost of discipleship, being a Christian, is priceless. And when you understand the word priceless, then you'll understand how this is so true. So, when Jesus invites you, follow me, He's not expecting you on your own basis, your own power, to do it. He's going to enable you to do it. Do you understand that? Because He, God, knows the weakness of ourselves. That we might turn down His invitation. And let the law sort of rule my life, and then I rebel against it and say, you're asking too much of me. I won't do it. So, let's listen to him for a moment. On the night that he was betrayed, in the upper room, before he went out to Gethsemane, he talked with his disciples. And the Holy Spirit saw to it that it was recorded. And he said, The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you so that you remember and know what my words were. I'm going to put my words in your heart. Second thing he said a little later. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. What is yet to come, and that's very important. Because every one of us have the word in our heart, in our head, the word that said to us that there is a magnificent future ahead for believers of eternal life where there's no more tears, no more hurts, no more sorrows and crying, no more mourning of death. No more hunger, no more evil. A time of perfection, of beauty, of happiness and joy unending. It's called heaven. That's coming. Why would I give up that perfection for some lousy material things like worthless diamonds or some gold or a house or a car or to save my lousy life. That's the strength that the Holy Spirit gives to the Christian. That he counts the true cost and says what's ahead is worth every sacrifice without fail. Paul wrote about this in one simple sentence. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? That is so utterly true. Do you understand that? You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. God dwells in you. 
And if God should someday require of you to give up everything to enter the kingdom, God will give you that power and strength to do it. For most, it does not come. That circumstance never occurs. And we have been so blessed in America without persecution. But if the future changes things, God, who invites us to follow him, also gives us the strength not only to accept the invitation, but to do it, to live it, and to sacrifice. And to fulfill his very words that I can give up everything to be your disciple, Jesus. That's the power of God's working. So, the same Paul who wrote the last words, wrote these in his second letter. This is rather great. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That's you. The old is gone. The new is here. You don't look different just because you're a Christian, but you are a new creature in God's eyes. All this is from God. He did it who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And do you understand reconcile means that you're at peace, you're forgiven. And then he goes on, and he gave us this ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. You're forgiven, folks. And he has committed to us this message so that you and I can go out now and we can tell other people, God loves you and has forgiven you. Believe it. And you can have that wonderful prize of eternal life. Do you understand why being a Christian is priceless? For how much would you be willing to pray to have eternal life? Would you give me everything if I could give it to you, eternal life? Would you give me everything you own? Is it worth a million dollars? How about 10 million? Is it worth a billion? Do you see how silly it is to talk about material possessions and things like that in this context? God, out of his love, gives us something that cannot be seen or touched, tasted or felt, but it's in me. That's what's so important. And so, Christian, keep your eyes focused on what he said, on his word, on Jesus. Many times in this church, a groom has stood up here, and his bride stood down there, and she began, as the music played, to walk up the aisle to begin a marriage ceremony. And for some of you young ladies, you will someday perhaps walk up the aisle in this church. The groom's eyes are focused on his love. It is no accident that Christ used that picture of Christ in the church, right? It's in the Bible. The church is the bride of Christ, and he's focused on her. He loves her. He sacrificed for her. Everything he did was for her, the church, for you. So when he says, follow me, it's not a burden. It's not impossible. Following Jesus is, is so wonderful. In fact, that's the treasure we have. It's not some jewels. It's not my investments. It's not money in the bank. 
It's Jesus in my life, in my heart. It's Jesus. He's my treasure. And my friends, that's the cost of discipleship. Amen. Please rise. Thanks for listening to this Risen Savior podcast. For more information about our church, check us out online at risensavior.us.